0: You ain't got no right to tell us how to worship. So let's tell the government to get up out of churches. We ain't choking no more. Tell them our hopes in the Lord, the time for speaking is past. It's time to open the doors. You ain't got no right to tell us how to worship. So let's tell the government to get up out of service. We ain't choking no more. Tell them our hopes
1: in the Lord, the time for speaking is past. So let's reopen the doors. Hello everybody. I am back. I know I was gone for a week, but I had a big Thursday and I kind of lost my voice there for a bit. So forgive me for not doing, doing a video on, uh, last Thursday on remembrance day. Um, and yeah, I've just been, you know, taking it one day at a time at work and working through all the issues that are coming, planning out my future. Planning what my next steps are going to be, and of course, realistically, you just keep planning it one day at a time because no one really knows what the world's going to bring. Every day, there are new and fascinating things happening in the world of lawsuits and victories, and oh, with all these legal battles against governments and big corporations and things like that. So, who knows what's going to happen, as always, though. I am now live on Twitter. You can follow me at devastator48. On Instagram, I'm at bro. Here's the thing: you can see at the bottom, and um, I went and checked the Resistance Coffee Company to see if my slash Davis website is up and running. It is still not mm-hmm. up and running, so hopefully they send me an update on that soon. Guys, if you want to help me out, you can share this video. You can comment on it and you can hit like on the video as well and if you want hit like several times um i have my bible in front of me but that is not what we're going to be dealing with yet honestly mostly biblical topics but of course i need to give a cookie update and if you don't know what cookies are yes they're the things that i'm talking about that cause heart attacks And heart inflammation those cookies the standard cookie that we're all being forced to eat we'll say so um, I yes I already have it queued up but I forgot so that's unfortunate this is from a German website um oh man. There we go. I love the t shirt. Thank you. It is a uh actually I was gonna bring this up. So back in the day you had the abolish human abortion uh t shirts that had this. Where is it? It's the AHA logo, and so many people were calling them a group. Um that uh, they decided to ditch that logo from what I can tell. But, and when I say they, I mean the people that originally started all the abolitionist content that you could order online. Now, sometimes some people who identify as abolitionists have done stuff that I don't agree with. Um, uh, but uh, I've even had um, real encounters with abolitionists. Outside of uh of Shepherd's Conference and I met some of the um the main abolitionist guys outside of the Shepherd's Conference. And um really interesting. There's a video somewhere of me on YouTube having the conversation with him because he was filming. I didn't know he was filming, but that was his right, so I don't care. Um But yeah, they still make shirts. Uh this one is a tough one to wear out in public. <laughs> Uh, I do, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you, you pull it out and, uh, and, uh, you go, okay, am I ready to actually wear this in public today and have the conversations? Because, uh, it is difficult. So, here's our article. This is from a German website, like I say. This is translated into English. So, some of it is, um, some of it's kind of broken and, um... Please ignore any ads you see that are, uh, you know, questionable. I am not in charge of the ads. And I don't have an ad blocker. And Cliff keeps telling me to get an ad blocker, but uh, I haven't listened to him yet. So, it says, from 13 years. Obviously, broken English. Long list of athletes who suddenly died or were seriously ill after you-know-what and it's, it's, again, like I say, it's kind of broken English. It says, we took a long time for this research, selecting each case individually. Was there a noticeably high number of sudden and unexpected deaths in sport and top class sport until mid-2021? So I, I, what it's saying is, has there been an increase in these sudden inspected deaths uh, starting about five months ago? No official can and will not explain a possible accumulation since the start of gene vaccination. Gene cookies, sorry. According to the possibly blackmailed and bribed media and politics, (laughs) these are unfortunate coincidences. Although already 13-year-olds with heart problems fall over on the square. So, again, guys, the English is killing me. It is hard to read, for sure, but Uh, just check this out. We would like to start this report with the arguments of the other side because it is always important to hear all sides. Good call, good call. We would also like to recommend this principle to the court press and and system press. (laughs) System press. I'm sure that's got to not be a good translation. Even if there are no major state subsidies to be tapped for. In 2016, the French medium... Futura Sante complained of numerous heart deaths in football. It would affect 2 in 100,000 athletes per year in France, a total of 1,000 to 1,500 people. The new statesman talks about 12 young people who die of sudden cardiac death while running every week. The article was published in England in November 2018. In February 2019, the Austrian newspaper Der Standard asked why cardiac deaths are so common in sports. So, you can see that this does happen uh, outside of the phenomenon that has been happening lately. So, there you go. But, here's a counterpoint. Wikipedia list of athletes who died at, at, uh, while playing a game, while playing a sport... Uh, until 2021 is rather stor- short. On the other hand, for example, there is an article in the German WAZ from June 13th, 2021. There, a cardiologist stated that sudden cardiac death rarely occurs in sport. Yes, how now? <laughs> oh, The translation is awesome. There are no reliable statistics for comparison. But in Wikipedia, there are lists of athletes who died during a game. This list goes back to 1889 and at first glance is extensive, but in the end it turns out that about five to eight such deaths were recorded even in disaster years. Many of these uh, concern heart issues or problems. The question is therefore difficult to answer without official and complete statistics. Are currently really more people dying suddenly and unexpectedly in sport? especially when it concerns professionals and top athletes. And is it because of the vaccination, as many critical minds suspect? The cookie! I'm messing up. I haven't... I got out of the system. So, we have compiled a list of the known cases over the past few months. It is most likely incomplete. It includes many dead and some who develop severe... Heart problems, but fortunately survived. Noticeable, the youngest on the list was only 13 years old. Many entries concern people under 20 years of age. Uh, From the gut, one could say that there there is much evidence of a noticeable accumulation in 2021. But why aren't the authorities interested? Why are there always excuses instead of strict examinations? Precise autopsies? It may be that all of these people passed out dead or seriously ill on the field for normal reasons, but we certainly don't know, and that is a criminal negligence of the rulers, whom we actually pay with billions in taxes to ensure that we have a good health system, and that we only receive really safe and tested medication. And then it goes, actually, period. So again, I am loving. I am, uh... I'm loving the, uh, the the broken English. So nice to see we've dwindled down to eight people already. Good stuff, guys on the live stream. Awesome. This one's a real barn burner today, I suppose. So we start in June. Here is the list of horrors <laughs> starting, starting in June 2021 when the cookie campaigns were in full swing and everyone who blindly trusted the system had already had their second shot. We're not claiming that all of these people felt ill and died because of the cookie, nor that there is a proven link in the case of vaccination. Okay, so you get it. We're, we're clarifying or we're, they're clarifying they can't prove it. They're just going to show you the list, and the list is insane. Look at this thing. I'll, I'll just go through some of them, and then I'll... I think they've got 75 listed here. Look, 4 6 21, Italy, 29 years old. Ex-professional uh, Giuseppe Perino collapses during a charity game for his dead brother and dies. 7-6-21, Germany, 38 years old, the table tennis... Professional Michael Schneider dies suddenly and unexpectedly. 12-6-21. Denmark, 29 years old. The footballer Christian Eriksen collapses lifelessly during a European championship game. He he can be revived, but he needs a pacemaker for the rest of his life. Hungary, 18 years old. Oh, sorry. Date, 22-6-21. Footballer Victor... Marcel Hegedus died while warming up for training in Hungary. There's one in Netherlands. Um, all the same kind of things. Netherlands, 31. Germany, 36. Germany, 27. Germany, no age. Netherlands, 19. Belgium, 18. Austria, 18. Germany, no age. Belgium, 37. Germany, no age. France, 24. Belgium, 25. Turkey, 31. Italy, 29. Venezuela, 30. Luxembourg, 29. Germany, France, 16 years old. Austria, no age again. Italy, 16. Belgium, 27. You get the point, guys. It just keeps going. They've made an extensive list. It's from... Report 24 News, which is a German website, and it is translated into English for you guys to check out. So, you can go look at that yourselves. Hey, Robin, how's it going? Robin is a work colleague, and, uh, I mean, not for long, I guess, but uh, we think. But, um, here we are. So this is what I do during the week sometimes. Guys. I always have to start with a COVID update. And um that's just that's just part of the deal now, right? We have to do our COVID updates. We um you know, we it's it's part of life now. And I mean realistically we're doing cookie updates, not 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 uh, not the actual virus. We're doing the updates about the thing that's supposed to stop the spread of the virus, right? So, um... But uh, we need to move on. And what we need to move on to is um, the Gospel Coalition won't just go away and uh, mind its own business already and um, let the men do its work. Uh, let men do their work that they need to do, um, and uh, I'm going to go through that article with you guys now. This came out like well over a week ago, but obviously, I um I uh, I wasn't available to do the article or go through the article then, and so um, I'm going to go through now, uh, but not mo- not all of it, just part of it, and um. I think uh, what's important to understand is uh, is this is uh, I believe that this is uh, this is an attack this is an attack on men who uh, stood for truth and uh, opposed evil government mandates which uh, I believe has actually helped stave off some of the enforcement of restrictions on churches in Alberta you'll notice that the restrictions keep getting worse and worse in other places. And yet in Alberta, they have not come after the church at all. So, um, I believe that, uh, we have done other Christians a favor. So this is from a pastor who operates out of Canada from TGC, Canada, which is the gospel coalition. He is an American pastor. I believe he said he has lived here for eight years. So I'm going to start, uh, from the caption, American evangelical media. Um, you can see that there is content before. Um, if you want to read that first section, Go find the article. The article is called A Word to American Christians from a Pastor in Canada. So, um, yeah, let's start. No, we'll start from another dynamic, actually, because um, this was deeply insulting to me, and uh, they insulted uh, people that have been sending us support and help from the u.s and um calling calling them a 50 pound weight so we're going to start there imagine you're walking a tightrope both arms outstretched to help you maintain balance you need both arms but oddly one of those arms has a 50 pound weight attached to it as a result finding your balance is tricky that's what it's like to be a canadian pastor and American Evangelicals are that 50-pound weight. Let me explain. The Canadian Evangelical community is fledgling, even while robust. We're undersourced and underfunded. We have no metaphorical megawatt radio signal that broadcasts and amplifies across Canada. We have no big conferences. No robust but distinctly Canadian parachurch movements. Uh, and little in terms of magnetic destination seminaries. Even our denominations are small. I'll admit there's something beautiful about this. There's something pure about Canadian air that's mostly free from celebrity and powerhouse institutions. But there are challenges. I'm going to toss my phone. So, for one... Our geographical spread intensifies the lack of cohesion. A population the size of California is scattered across a landmass larger than the entire United States. <sighs> and the number of evangelicals in Canada is barely more than the evangelicals in Tennessee alone. It's like building a puzzle when the pieces are spread throughout the whole house. This makes working together and communicating together a challenge. In Canada, we talk about how it's actually easier to communicate north-south than it is to communicate east-west. I've never really heard that at all, but I'm I'm sure that that's true. But these challenges must be overcome with the Canadian church if the Canadian church is going to hold the biblical line while reaching Canada with the gospel. Okay, so we've got to overcome these obstacles... Um, To hold the biblical line while reaching Canada with the gospel. So already I I just see him laying some groundwork, um, you know, to be careful and, you know, maybe nuanced would be a good word that they'll probably throw out. Or if you haven't heard that in evangelical circles where they want to be soft and careful, um, they will often use the term nuanced when in reality, They're just deflecting from not wanting to make a tough decision publicly or something or something. So um, I'm just going to go check. Wow. It is nice to see. Everybody doing good in the comment section. Like I say, guys, like, share, all that junk. That would be very helpful to me. Um, anyway, guys. Meanwhile, the American evangelical media behemoth comes upon a Canadian pastor or story that serves American interests well. Now, we're trying to figure out who this man is talking about, and we can't. <sighs> but it's okay. And the volume on that one pastor or story gets turned up. Which is helpful for the United States, but when our neighbor's music is turned up to normal for them, it's extremely loud for us. Now, I'm going to nitpick his guitar analogy that's coming up here right away, but that's because I'm a musician and uh, I just, yeah, it's, it's not really a great analogy. So it's like having a guitar, which only has one string connected to the soundboard. Even though all the strings are all the strings get plucked, the sound ends up distorted. It's like crossing a tightrope with a large weight attached to one of your arms. It throws off balance. The way American Christians use Canada often makes our work here that much harder. So I just want to say that if you only had one string going through the soundboard, it, it's it's not that the sound would be distorted. It would just sound like one string is being played. That I don't want to nitpick that too much, but I can't help myself. And uh, how he calls it distorted, he's saying so it's distorting it, and then that's just like the fifty-pound weight going across the tightrope. Which I, again, I'm, I'm I don't really get the analogy, honestly. Perhaps I can explain this dynamic with a hypothetical. With a hypothetical scenario. Yeah, let's use a hypothetical scenario that is actually like not a hypothetical at all in Canada. Suppose a law passes in Canada that labels certain kinds of preaching as hate speech. And thus, illegal. Virtually all Canadian evangelical churches are appalled and oppose the new law. So, even that right there for a hypothetical. Virtually all evangelical churches would be appalled and um, and would oppose it. That's not true. There is an army of churches claiming to be evangelical that absolutely would not oppose calling some kinds of preaching hate speech. I don't believe that it would be the way he's explaining it, that virtually all of them would oppose it these churches and their leaders begin coordinating their collective response. Given our limitations and our temperament, the response is slow developing and careful. It's also shaped by our understanding of the unique culture and government of Canada. Yeah, so that in of itself is a problem for me. Um, I don't believe that it's my job as a Christian to coordinate with other pastors to come up with a response that takes a couple months. Um, and if we're gonna, you know, compare this to the COVID thing, you guys have had like 20 months and you're still just towing the line, and some of you are imposing uh, vaccine restrictions on your people. Um, so, is the the response is is getting a little long? I think, but. Um, what the Christian is called to do is just go out and preach against the thing that they're saying you can't talk about. Um, if they say you can't preach on homosexuality, your next sermon, I believe, should be on the sin of homosexuality. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, I'm I'm I, I'm not totally sure if that's what my pastor would do. But it would be pretty close. It might not be the first week, because he needs like forty hours to prepare his sermon, but it would probably be within the next month, like quick. So as we're formulating our response quickly. So and I as a Bible believer. Don't have to worry about what the next Bible-believing church is going to do. They should just also do the right thing, which is to call sin, sin. That's it. (sighs) Meanwhile, here we go. So here's the guy that comes along, and this is where all the Billy jokes have been coming from. Meanwhile, there's a pastor with a history of divisiveness that has hurt our fragile cooperation We'll call him Billy Billy mocks our Canadian commitment to process Calling his fellow pastors cowards He conducts an outdoor service Invites the press And preaches a jarringly candid sermon That defies the law As a result, he's arrested on the spot A terrible outcome, we'd agree Would you though? I don't know if I believe you I <laughs> I don't know if I believe you that it's a terrible outcome. But anyway, um, we can't tell who he's talking about. And, you know, the guys at Carpe Fide, they, uh, they said it's not helpful um, if we don't know who Billy is. Um, there have been three pastors that were arrested. James Coates, Tim Stevens, Pala Pavlovsky. Now, the two are in very similar camps. Arthur Is in a different camp, and has a different approach to all kinds of stuff. Those are the three pastors that have been arrested. Well, sorry, there was a sorry. There's Pastor Phil, in New Brunswick or Nova Scotia, I can't remember right now. Also arrested. Now, I'm trying to figure out who this most sounds like, and. Really, what's, what's amazing is if you uh, take the arrest out of it, honestly, this sounds the most like Trinity Bible Chapel's pastor, Jacob Rayum, um, having an outdoor service, inviting the press. Now, I don't know if he invited the press, but realistically, this actually fits the description of Jacob the most to me, other than being arrested. So I, we don't know who you're talking about. So if you could tell us who you're talking about, it would be helpful for us to understand where you're coming from. I don't know who you're talking about. That's a problem. Um, but I would say that um many men have proven to be cowards, yes. And um yeah, if your church got shut down, you should conduct an outdoor service. I'm not going to say you invite the press. Unless the press is some kind of weird reference to, you know, Sheila Gunn-Reed from The Rebel. Because she's been invited. She was allowed to come to an underground service uh, with Grace Life. Because we love her and care about her. And uh, want her to hear the gospel as much as possible. And um, as far as uh, a jarringly candid sermon that defies the law, I I don't know what that means. I mean, biblically exegetes a text. If if you're talking about James biblically exegeting the Bible to explain why what we're doing is right, um, could be called jarringly candid by the Gospel Coalition Canada, I guess. So it goes on. This is just the kind of story that's useful to Americans. So you got to love that it's just being used as a cudgel um, to insult Americans. And um, honestly, it makes me sick. Um, I, for one, am extremely thankful for the support that we have received From our American brothers and sisters. And um, for this man to refer to those Americans as a 50 pound weight that's messing, messing up your tightrope walk. uh, You don't need to walk a tightrope here, man. You need to go out and preach and do the right thing and stop obeying COVID restrictions on your church. That's what you need to do because it's wrong to prohibit people from gathering. So here we go. It's just a useful story to Americans. So, and that in of itself, Oh, that, that actually annoys me even more. The more I think about it, basically making it sound like, Oh, Americans want to pick up on this thing. Cause it's just useful to them. Not that anyone there actually cares about us. You know, it's just, Uh, The Americans are just using us um, because we're useful to their their agenda. And who knows? That could be true of somebody. I don't know. But I definitely know know it's not true with the ones that have reached out to me. So the American evangelical bullhorn starts blaring his story. Billy becomes a quasi-celebrity in the States. His voice and perspective is amplified. Suddenly, pastors all across Canada, already struggling to navigate their way through a horrible situation, are forced to answer questions from their congregants about why they aren't taking the approach Billy has taken. Check it out. So, obviously, we know what this is talking about. This is talking about uh, COVID protocols, not his fictional story that he's using, right? So... To me, this sounds like Billy is is James Coates here, this section. And, um, because he's the one that has become a quasi-celebrity and his voice and perspective has been amplified and probably has caused uproar with, um, congregants asking the pastors tough questions. And I know that that's true because, uh, our church is basically a refugee camp for people that have fled churches that won't do the right thing. Um, so, so now this guy is complaining that he's forced to answer tough questions, questions from their own congregants about why they aren't taking that perspective. Billy's perspective rockets up the charts Far eclipsing the stable, trusted voices that have proven their godliness and fidelity through years of faithful work. <sighs> so, I can't speak to Arthur. I don't know. I don't know what he's like. I've met him once in person. I don't know anything about him. If this is talking about Jacob. James and Tim or merging them all three of them, merging all three of them together to say that Billy has this crazy perspective from left field and then to say that the majority of the Christian pastors that just shut their doors are like these faithful, trustworthy stalwart men you're somehow creating a, what is it, juxtaposition between the two? Like, like my pastor um, isn't a a stable, trusted voice that has proven his godliness and fidelity through years of faithful work? Is that what you're saying? Are you saying that those men, Tim, James, and Jacob, aren't aren't that? Uh, Because they are that. Um, I can't speak to the other two, but I can speak to my pastor and I believe that my pastor is that description. So maybe, maybe Billy's perspective rockets up the charts among evangelicals that believe the Bible because it's the right one. What you need to do is stop following COVID restrictions and open your church because the government's never going to come along and give you the perfect conditions to resist them and say, you can't preach gospel no more. You're not allowed to preach the gospel. They're never going to do that. They're going to keep coming after you with these other things. Billy and his fringe approach do not stay on the fringe. He dominates our minuscule airwaves. He sucks the oxygen from the room. Instead of forging a way... Instead of forging a way forward, tailored to our Canadian context, we spend a good deal of our limited resources providing a nuanced assessment of Billy. There it is! It's a nuanced assessment of Billy... It's always gotta be nuanced. So um this whole forging away tailored to Canadian context, just light that on fire. I'm over this. I'm tired of this. Oh, in this context, this is appropriate, and it, it doesn't really work here because that's like the American way of doing things, and we're not American. You no, so um, Jesus walked into a temple and flipped tables and chased the moneylenders out. Now, I know that we don't go to that as an example because Jesus told us to emulate him, and that is not something that he told us to emulate, us in, emulate him in. Um, you know, I don't want to get... I don't want to get caught up in being like, you can be righteously angry, righteous anger. Cause it's pretty hard to be righteously angry. It is. Um, I don't know if I've ever done it. So excuse me. So basically from what I can tell, this guy doesn't like having to ask tough questions, um, based from the biblical arguments put forward by men like James, Tim and Jacob, this man doesn't like that, you know, Pastor James supplied a uh, an explanation of Romans 13 uh, about submitting to the government that demonstrates that you don't submit to the government on everything, that they don't have... Um, divine rights over every aspect of your life and they certainly do not have authority over the church and how we worship and how and when we gather and how many people can gather and if we're allowed to sing so when someone listens to that sermon and they have an understanding that yes the government can't tell us what to do And then they have to go back to their church the next Sunday and they have to sit in rows with their families and there's six seats spaced apart and there's gaps everywhere and they're only allowed to have 50 people in the church and they're watching the bass player and the guitarist who don't sing wear masks and there's a, you know, a clear piece of plastic in front of the worship leader's face because his singing could spread COVID to the congregation. They see all that and they go this is wrong. This is disgusting. We know it's a f- sham. And the government doesn't have the say to do this. Now, what does that lead to? Well, if the pastor does the right thing, he knows that he's going to take the fines. He's going to take the arrest. He's going to take the pressure you do have some congregants being hunted down and ticketed, but basically they're going to try and go after the leader. And that's what they did at my church. That's what they did at the other church, uh, in Calgary with Tim and with Jacob. They did a lot of like, you know, finding the, finding the church building, um, finding the leaders. But they also, I believe hunted people down at their houses, uh, after tracking their license plates. So there is that, but, this guy, and I'm not imputing motives. I don't know, but is the, is it possible that this man is afraid to be persecuted for doing the right thing and keeping his church open? Now he might legitimately believe that it's not right to keep your church open. Okay, he might believe that you should submit to the government on these issues. I don't know, but if he's uh. If he's really not on that side, then he is, unfortunately, most likely, afraid of taking the punishment for keeping his church open. Our pastor, my pastor, made sure that our church stayed open and was willing to be arrested for it. And decided he could not sign the conditions of his release for it. And so we were literally hanging out at church after James was arrested. And I thought to myself, my pastor is in jail right now so that I can hang out after church with my friends. That's one of the reasons he's in jail. He did that for us he did that. Um, he took that heat on himself. Crazy. So, um, but also I think that he would even look at himself as just the object of the government's ire, as in, I don't have the, like the, the issue with our church is that our elders don't believe they have the authority to close the doors. After researching and studying, they've come to the conclusion that they don't have the authority to do it. This is Christ's church, man. You don't get to say who's open. You or, or like you don't or sorry, that's not the right word. You don't get to say um, if the church is allowed to be open or not, right? So. He just had to take it as it came, and they came after him. no one else and i I told you they were going to use the word nuance, didn't I? So going on, though the story originated in Canada, we're now responding to talking points birthed on American soil that only imperfectly correspond to our Canadian environment. That's right. Biblical matters uh, have a have a um, cultural uh, lens that you can look at them through. Nope. The biblical truth is that you don't have a right to keep your church closed and you should not be adhering to COVID restrictions because they do not have... The government does not have a say over what you do in your church because it's God's church, not theirs and not yours. While Billy's situation has galvanized the American church, his new profile and status has hampered the Canadian church. The former may be a good outcome. The latter is not. I would argue that the Canadian church has been galvanized. Um, The churches that stayed open and did the right thing have been completely fortified. Not only is my church, which had two hundred and fifty solid people, I also you know give or take, um, two hundred and fifty people attending. Many of us long term, six, seven, eight year, ten year people. There are still people that were founding members at our church uh, that have been there from the very beginning. Um, and now. You have all these people that have experienced biblical preaching through this whole thing. They're coming to our church to run away from COVID restrictions, and they're finally hearing biblical expository preaching for the first time, and I get to stand out there in the lobby and talk to these brand new people, and I get to talk to the Bible with them all the time for hours sometimes, and... I get to help at a fundamentals of the faith class, which is basically filled with new people who are new to grace life, 40 to 50 people at a time. I get to talk to them about the Bible. Um, and it's awesome. Uh, and so our church has been fortified. Our church has been fortified with passionate truth seeking people that are starving and want to learn what the Bible says. So, I don't know I don't know why your Canadian church has been hampered but my Canadian church has been galvanized. Here's his plea to the American to Americans. So here's my plea to Americans. Be judicious in your coverage of Canadian stories. Before you share that headline or retweet that story, stop and consider the potential impact you're having on your bro- <sighs> on your brothers up north. On your brothers up north who keep the churches closed. Brackets. If you know a Canadian pastor, reach out to him and tell him to open his church. I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. (laughs) Reach out to him and get his perspective on the situation. He'll probably use the term nuanced if he doesn't agree. In the end, it may be something that would benefit from U.S. amplification. Oftentimes, you'll conclude it isn't. Yeah, so when James gets arrested... Um, for preaching uh, a sermon explaining why the government has no jurisdiction over over his life. Over the life of the church. Um, not his life, sorry. Over the life of the church and how the church conducts itself. Uh, and then gets arrested. That deserves U.S. amplification. It does. A simple article like this is unlikely to solve the problem it's addressing but I hope it helps those who read it to avoid unwittingly contributing to the problem. Yours truly an American pastoring in Canada. Well, thanks bro. We are thankful for that. Huh? Yeah. So Herb says, um, this is from a little bit a while ago. um, Sounds like Archer's tour through the USA where he gained quasi celebrity status. Yeah, it could be that. Or, um, like James went to G3 and he's had all those American kind of like reformed camp guys, uh, really, you know, um, wanting to interview him, talking to him, um, working with the G3 guys, uh, you know, speaking at G3. So it could be that too. I don't know, but the, this is the issue. The issue is that we don't actually know who Billy is. Because Billy could be a merger of three to four people. We don't know. That's the problem. Laura is waving. Hello, Laura. Um, she says, weird, I never got a notification. Yeah, well, that's just how it goes. Wow, I'm at 47 minutes already. Oh, it's going by quick. So... I did want to play one more thing for you guys. It's from Pastor James's sermon on Sunday. And uh, it deals with, uh, well, I mean, I'm going to apply it um, to my current situation with work and um, losing my job for uh, either not disclosing my medical status or not taking the COVID shot. So... um, that's what I'm going to apply it to. And it may have been loosely based on something like that anyway. I don't know, but I believe it has to do with taking a stand for what you believe in, what you, uh, what violates your conscience. And, um, yeah. So my buddy Cliff, I am not done at work. I have until January first to bow the knee and kiss the ring, and I'm not going to. I am. Uh, I'm now done all my overtime for the year, um, so I'm. Uh, I won't be working on Fridays, Saturdays, or Sundays anymore. I only work four days a week, four tens. It's pretty fantastic, but uh, no. I am. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not done yet. Sorry about clearing my throat into the mic, man. Just horrendous. So Cliff made this video for us to enjoy, and it is just a short clip of James talking. And it is um, it's it's sped up a little, I noticed. And so we're just going to enlarge it and let's let's take a listen. And it shows you the um, the chapter uh, and verse that uh, verses that he's working through last Sunday. So let's let's take a listen.
0: And I think there's something incredibly instructive about this. I mean, if you look at the road ahead and you anticipate it with any kind of apprehension, any kind of anxiety, you you look at what's on the horizon and you question whether or not you're going to have the the strength, the fortitude, the faith to to stand and be faithful at that time, then you are in exactly the place that you need to be. It would be worse if you were looking at what was coming and you thought, I got this. I'm going to be able to stand just fine. They can do whatever they want to me, but I'm going to hold fast. You're more liable to fall with that attitude than the attitude that you have now, where you're in touch with your weakness, where you realize that in yourself, you lack the strength and fortitude you need. It's God who will give you that strength. All you need to do, and this is really helpful. All you need to do is stand. As you seek to be faithful for Christ, you just draw your line in the sand and you plant your two feet and you trust God to give you the strength you need. You just have to stand and he'll give you all that you need to be immovable. For his honor and his glory. And I think there's something incredibly instructive about this. There were numerous options for toilet paper, but which what one would be happened? the softest? This summer, we need to know which toilet you? paper would be best. I mean, if you...
1: I don't know where that second section from that video came. I guess it just... Played to the next section. That's awesome. Uh, I would love to know. I don't even, I couldn't even find that video about the toilet paper shortage. I don't even know where it came from. It's hilarious. But back to something serious. So I believe what he's referencing is um, at the end of this section of scripture, Peter um, Peter speaks to Jesus. <clears throat> so, Jesus is giving them the new commandment of love, to love one another as I have loved you. And then in verse 36, Peter says, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter said to him, Lord, why? Why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. And so, I believe that I've been caught in this trap. And what it comes down to is You're standing there and you're talking and you're saying, I'm never going to take it. I'm never going to submit. I'm never going to let you do this to me. And then you cave, right? What you need to do is draw your line in the sand and pray that God would protect you. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm, I'm staying, I'm trying to stay humble. Like the thought of going to a pharmacy And booking an appointment for that, I I do I I don't know if it's even possible for me to do. But in my human weakness, could I fail? Yes. When I look at my stuff, when I look at my bookshelf, I think, do I want to lose all that stuff? And I have to go. Um. And I, someone laughed at the toilet paper part. Yeah, it's okay, Karen. I I don't I don't even know where it came from. It's wild. But so I look at my stuff and I go, well, I don't need that stuff. I look at the roof over my head and I go, there's other people with big houses that could store us for a while. We could sell the house. We could sell the things. You know, I have a cool motorcycle. I need to pay it down and then sell it. It can just go. It's just a thing. And, um, they're just things. What's important is that I protect my family, but even then, uh, you cannot put your family on a pedestal, you know, something, and maybe this is personal, but someone, uh, Someone told me a story about when they were losing somebody or they thought they were losing somebody and they just, they held that person out to God and that relationship out to God and said, Lord, you're in control of this relationship. And that's what I'm doing every day right now. Lord, God is in control of my career. God is in control of my, my life. God is in control of whether the government comes and abducts my children to try and hold me hostage. And I wish I could talk about that more, but we've been working through that. You know, would you submit to the COVID stuff uh, if they were threatening to come take your kids? And honestly, I know this is tough and I don't know if everyone's going to agree with me out there, but. You know, there's the self-defense argument. There's the, yeah, you just do it. What What does it matter? Like, you've you, you got to protect them, right? And I would say to that, no, do you have to protect them? You're called to do the right thing no matter what. And the right thing is to not submit to tyranny and not allowing the government to force you to sin. So if they're going to do evil things to you, that is their prerogative, right? Right? It reminds me of the story of John Bunyan. Who, when standing before the court, um, he would not submit to what they wanted him to submit. They said, you're going to go to jail if you don't submit. And uh, and his, his, I believe his blind daughter was used in the courtroom. The judge brought up like, I should remind you of your daughter who needs you at home, who is unwell and you have other children and they need their father and he would not, he would not cave and he went to jail for what, seven to 10 years, leaving his wife at home, trusting in God's provision for his family. And he wrote The Pilgrim's Progress while he was in prison. So you don't know what God has planned in these horrible, horrible things that are happening. You have to do the right thing no matter what. And that right thing is gonna really suck sometimes. It's gonna be awful. Um another application of 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 Daniel of Daniel three, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is this, right? Think about that story. Think about what they could have done. So, if you don't know, go read Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar wants them to kneel to his gold statue, and they refuse. Now, one thing I was thinking about is, like, they could have just got down on their knees and pretended to worship, right? And then, no one has to know that they weren't just doing it right. They could have just done that and been fine, but it was even the perception of worshiping the gold statue that they had to avoid. They couldn't, they couldn't kneel to it and just pretend that they were worshiping because then everyone would think that they were caving and sinning and rejecting their God. So you you can't even have the air of worshiping another God. That should humble us, I think. So, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are being threatened with throwing into a furnace. And in verse 16, if you pick it up there, it says Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king because he's just told them, I'm going to throw you in a furnace if you don't stop. If you or if you don't kneel to the statue, I'm going to throw you in the furnace. It says, <clears throat> they replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. That's what it comes down to. I am not. I am not going I'm not going to kneel to this golden image. I'm praying to God to give me strength to guide me through this. I will not be living a lie. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to submit to their golden injection statue. It's not happening. I refuse. I've drawn my line in the sand, and I'm going to do the right thing no matter what, and I'm going to pray that God protects me because he will not let me fail if I trust in him. And so... Something that really stuck out to me was that they say we do not need to give an answer concerning this matter. We're not even gonna answer. Now is that even is that the right attitude for everything? I think it I think it may be like not everything, but they're coming for me. They want to take my job. They want me to confess and ask for an exemption. Which is a disability claim. That's what my company's saying. And, uh, I'm not, uh, maybe I'm going to choose to just not give an answer on the matter. And if God wants to deliver me, then He will. And even if He doesn't, even if He doesn't, um, I am not going to serve them. So whether God gives me my job back or not, I am not going to serve their God. I'm not going to serve the COVID idol. It's not, I'm not doing it. I refuse, but only through the strength of Christ. And that is what's important. Now, again, I, the only thing that can preserve you, and we're already seeing this at work. There are people that are starting to submit to the COVID restrictions, starting to go book their appointments as they get scared of, of the final outcome, the fear of losing their job, forced being forced to do it against their will. Um. The ones. The ones that are going the ones that are going uh, to go the distance are the the believers. I can already see it. Maybe we'll be able to help strengthen some of the unbelievers, but I think realistically at the end of the day, you're going to see a massive drop-off. And I'm being asked, are you being given testing as an option? Although not a great option, for right now, I would allow allow the testing I would um, I would do it but no as a, as a colleague of mine from Red Deer is saying in the chats we're not being giving we're not being given a testing option we're not um, they've decided that it's expensive and tedious and they just don't want to do it and so if you want to be on the team as it was said to me you just got to get your you're two little pokes and you can just keep being on the team. Nah. And so obviously I still don't publicly talk about which which company I work for. Um, just to keep that in mind. But no, we're not being given a testing option. But, oh, but with that. What is the thing that is going to keep us persevering through this to the end? Well, for me, I'm not saying that there won't be non-Christians that'll make it to the end. But for me, what drives me, what motivates me, what preserves me in this fight is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And the way that you were indwelled with the Holy Spirit is through faith in Christ alone and believing that he died on the cross to pay for your sin. That's it. I believe that Jesus Christ was a real person, that he came and lived the perfect life that I can't. I believe that he is God manifested in the flesh, that he is one with the Father, that, that, He eternally exists before he comes in human flesh with the father. He is co-equal and co-eternal with God. I believe that he never sinned. And because of that, he was the perfect sacrifice for sin. And because he was the perfect sacrifice for sin, God used him as a sacrifice and put all the sin of those who would believe on him. God put all that sin on Christ and turned his face away from his son as a substitution for us. God treated Jesus the way that we deserve to be treated. And Jesus willingly submitted himself to that punishment and paid the price that we no longer have to pay. And if you believe on that sacrifice and if you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and you turn from your sin and you trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, you will be saved. So that is what is going to preserve me till the end. The gospel and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that allows me to say what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, I have no need to answer you. I I don't need to answer you. My God will protect me, my God will preserve me, and even if He doesn't, I'm not going to kneel to your God anyway. So you can take my job, you can throw me in prison. You can abduct my children, but I'm not going to worship your God. End of story. And with that, I will close with one more comment. Elaine says, knowing that the Lord will never leave us or forsake us. And that is important. The Lord will not leave you once he has you, and you have him. He'll never leave you. With that, I'm ending my live stream, and I will, maybe I'll be throwing a bonus episode out this week to make up for for uh, not, uh, not doing one. With that, guys, have a great night.